Welcome back to Comically Confused. Uh, we're going to take things a little bit differently here today for something of a New Year's special. Uh, we know this is coming a little bit late, but we wanted to make sure we could get everything in. There were a few things from 2020 we wanted to squeeze in there, and our schedules have both been pretty crazy. So yeah, we just wanted to take a minute to talk about the movies, games, comics, and other nerdy things from the last year that we really enjoyed in an otherwise crazy year. Uh, Nate, yeah, uh, anything in particular you're really looking forward to talking about today? Uh, well, we're a comic podcast, so I think we should start with, uh, talking about comics. Wonder Woman, just because, uh, honestly, that, those two volumes are probably my favorite Wonder Woman content I've taken in so far. Like, uh, while I actually enjoyed Wonder Woman 84 pretty well, uh, since we recorded those episodes around the same time, I can't help but find myself wishing that both movies were a little closer to that comic <laughs> yeah it's it's an amazing comic i also can't wait to read it, read some more later on i think for like episodes coming up um i don't i don't have particular episodes that i'm actually looking super forward to i'm just looking forward to reading these like these niche runs because mm-hmm. like something like new 52 you're like a lot of a lot of smack about it or a lot of great things about some runs but like I feel like it's a lot of runs that just end up at limbo that like no one just talks about, which probably be like the best episodes for us to record. Yeah, I was kind of dreading those, but a lot of those have been some of our most interesting ones we've done so far. Like, I never heard anything about Captain Adam, and that was a very unique experience. Uh, even though OMAC was terrible, it was certainly more memorable in some ways than I expected. Like I expected it to just be bland, which I mean, in some ways it was, but still to this book that I'd never heard about and a character that's D list at best to be notably, maybe the worst comic I've ever read. I mean, that's still something <laughs> kind of memorable. That's, that's an accomplishment for like a medium, like comics, mm. like the worst comics I've ever read. Yeah. And I mean, as far as, our next few episodes go uh, i'm pretty caught up on my reading and ready to i have my notes ready for our next few episodes so i've been doing a little more in-depth research for when we cover batwoman uh reading some of the kind of background books that lead into where her new 52 run starts and that's actually been a lot of fun uh i'm getting to read things mostly for pleasure there and uh yeah it's much more impressive than i expected and yeah just a lot of love in that book uh, so yeah, that's just been really fun to be able to casually read something that's going to affect how I view one of our books we cover in a future episode. Yeah, I, I started noticing like I'm really enjoying like just reading back issues or just reading like random going online the site saying like what are some good runs or what's some individual good issues for these characters we're going to do episodes on for research. I've been trying to research and reading Peter David's like Supergirl run from, like the '90s when like Supergirl was like. It was a whole bunch of demonic and angelic stuff that you wouldn't expect from the character. And I end up like really enjoying that. Yeah. Uh, that's something I'd really like to do someday. Like if we ever finish covering the new 52, like I'd love to shift a podcast focus to just covering all these quote unquote great runs that I've always heard so many things about, but never read myself. Like uh, really Peter David's Hulk is a big one for me that I'd like to cover. And then, you know, <laughs> John's green lantern, uh, at 10 years worth of comic right there. Yeah. That Peter Davis run. Yeah. It's just so many good things. But as far as my own, like just for fun reading and back issues, uh, one of the comics that I really felt weird ending the year on was a uh, deceased which technically came out in 2019, but didn't hit DC Universe's app until this year. And I mean, I just read it on New Year's Eve, Killing Time, 
uh, before some plans with my wife. And I got to say, it was really weird ending the year reading a book about the superheroes dealing with a virus made worse by social media <laughs> that, spoilers, basically destroys the world. They're like, they don't exactly win in that book or it's not everything's not back to normal afterwards just i mean it was a great read and definitely something we're going to be recommending to others but uh, <laughs> it's so surreal reading that in 2020 when it was all written and published in 2019 just how relevant and literally one year ahead of its time it was it's such a great book man it's just it's just tom taylor at his best when he just can be in his own little pocket universe but when like you know when most writers like do their own like little pocket universe you just get standard, like, superheroes, whatever. You get, like, usually just, like, the basic just Justice League members. Like, I just have Batman or Superman or Wonder Woman and just other characters from that league. But, like, when you see, like, a Tom Taylor Ultra Universe book, like, he brings in, like, the whole DC Universe. And, I mean, he's done this more than once. Like, we saw that a lot in Injustice. And I don't know if it's just weird, obscure favorites he tends to gravitate towards. But, like, I love that both DC Stand and Justice have used Detective Chimp. Like, a character <laughs> I wouldn't know about without Tom Taylor. Uh, yeah, and just, like, seeing stuff with Dr. Fate and Mr. Terrific and Constantine. Just, yeah, not the heavy hitters, not just the Justice League by any means. Like, I, I really love how much of that universe he plays with. Yeah, I love it, too, because, like, you can tell in, like, Injustice that he was, like, really limited to by, like, you know, I don't know, like, the almost mediocre story of like the first injustice game that he just had to like try to cram things in beforehand but like in, in deceased he can like really show his favorites in the character oh the nightwings that he has to die you know because nightwings always have to die but uh you can see his love for superman like issues throughout the season yeah and it's just showing me once again that like i think if there's one writer that's really going to be remembered from our generation it's gonna be tom taylor because Every one of his major books kind of exists in its own little side universe. I mean, like Injustice, Deceased, uh, Power Rangers versus uh, Justice League. Uh, he's got a couple others in that realm. Uh, he's got a Marvel book, Dark Ages, that, yeah, they're all their own little side pocket universe events, meaning they're not tied to continuity. Uh, basically for the rest of time, any reader can pick up those books and not be confused about what's going on. So there's this essence of timelessness to them. Uh, so I, I think that's really going to help the longevity of his work. And yeah, I, I'll probably be handing my future kids Tom Taylor books just so they can understand things and understand why I love this guy so much and get this era of comics that hundreds of issues needing to be read to understand what's going on. Yeah, and you know, he's finally doing taking on more uh, work inside continuity as well. So boosting those lines of comics up. I, I know he's uh, he did a Suicide uh, Squad run, which was pretty solid have to admit he finally put more like weight into like the suicide squad that we've really been missing for years i mean I, for someone who've been like reading suicide squad runs it's mostly just like a harley quinn show not like the show but it's like harley quinn is like running the book and just like appeal to like suicide squad that characters can die in it but when you have like characters that everyone know or like from the movie you can't let them die and like in his book they find this like he just made up a whole bunch of irrelevant characters so they can just die and he put like more development to like uh, Deadshot, which mostly is just uh, someone just shoots superheroes, mostly, put more developed than him. So, yeah, he's just amazing writer. And now he's like 2021, he's going to take over for Nightwing. 
Yeah, I, that's one of the things that I have highlighted for stuff I'm actually looking forward to in 2021 because Nightwing is one of my three favorite superheroes and he hasn't had a good, strong comic run in like 10 years. So to know one of DC's most talented people, if not their most talented writer, is going to be taking him on after so many rough years now. I really hope that they're able to salvage that book. Like I, I might yeah. actually put that on my pull list, and I've been avoiding DC books in general, but that one might go on my pull list just to keep it, give it my support. Yeah. Um. Anything else? Let's, what else you want to want to talk about for uh, yeah, comic in general? Uh, yeah, uh, one thing I have to give a shout out to, I mean, this podcast really kind of takes over what I have time to read in my free time, but there are just a couple books I still find time to read, and I really think that kind of solidifies like what I see is worth reading. Uh, part of that's favoritism. I mean, I have loved the Power Rangers since I was literally a year old. And that's a comic series that I have read every single issue of and continues to be pretty solid. Uh, it has dips here and there, but I mean, I can't believe the amount of talent and work and creativity that's going into something based on a 25 plus year old children's show. Uh, they've really found a way to make that content appeal to an older audience, especially older fans. Cause like, I, I love that power Rangers is still going, but I'm not watching that show. It's very much a children's show, but this is aged up. It's something I can actually enjoy and not feel embarrassed about. Even my friends who didn't grow up loving the power Rangers, I could give these books and they'd love. So yeah, it's been a great year following the multiple power Rangers books going on, both the mighty Morphin power Rangers, the pseudo spinoff, go, go power Rangers, or just power Rangers. A uh, lot of good stuff there. Uh, have you been following that at all? Yeah, I've been following it. I'm really loving what they've been doing. Just especially over like the, the major event they had after shattered grid and trying to like, finally not being like super limited to that uh at mighty morphin time period and now they can just do whatever they want basically oh uh, yeah i really yeah. just like the idea they had with it i don't know who said this quote so i don't want to like give uh takes give somebody quote somebody credit but uh they said um at when you write like a book like power rangers or like transformers you don't make the book based on like what the show actually is you base it on like what you thought the show was when you were like a kid. Yeah. All right. I, there were a few other comics I wanted to cover here. So mind if I just uh, kind of lightning fire these off and you can chime in for anything uh, you want to talk about or anything else. You yeah. Let me, let me one long thing. I, 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 one of my event comics, I'm not the biggest like event comic dude. I, I read them when it's like something like really major. Like it's like uh, Jeff Johns working a part of it. And this year it was uh death metal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, death metal, which I really enjoyed, even though I thought it was going to be uh, pretty bad. But I've been on a really big Scott Snyder hitch because I'm really liking his uh, uh, go one. I know DC continuity. I think it's like pretty stupid. So I'm just going to play in the playing like the toy box, not keep the character super serious. And it's just like a, just been a fun ride so far. Yeah, I, I plan to read that someday. I kind of hope this podcast prepares me to get there. But yeah, there's just so much back material, so much Scott. Scott Snyder content that's tied together that I want to read it all if I'm going to attempt to read it. Hey, people say about like comic writers not getting a long run. Scott Snyder literally been writing Batman for like over a decade now, and this is like every story he does connect to each other. So if you want like a a manga story in comic form, just read all the Scott Snyder stuff. 
Yeah. And I mean, other fresh starts, like the last of the big two books that I think deserves a mention was uh, the Marvel's X-Men reboot this year with House of X and Powers of X and just the relaunch of the line. Uh, If we ever dedicated a podcast to another like line wide event, I would want it to be that X-Men book just because it's been so strong. Uh, Jonathan Hickman's been running that. He did great stuff with the Avengers. He's one of the best like one of the best writers that knows to work how to work with massive continuity and it's just made it so easy to hop on x-men he's doing interesting stuff no one's done before and taking it into a direction that just adds a lot of life to it and makes me care about this otherwise dying franchise so yeah definitely worth a read i am really happy they got hickman and just let him do whatever he want because you would just suspect once they get like the because you know x-men did not they disney didn't have the rights for x-men so they was like Let's just kill off the X-Men. Let's just make five years worth of stories. Just we hate X-Men. Inhumans are great. And now they finally got the rights back. They just go back to like the standard like X-Men versus Magneto. They just went out there and made something amazing. Yeah. Now, as far as indie books, just gonna fire these off since they're pretty niche interests. But uh my favorite horror book of the year was by far uh, Something is Killing the Children by uh James Tinian, who's just a fantastic horror writer, both in comics and outside of it. He's got his own horror magazine. Uh, if you love horror, check that out. It's like a scarier version of Stranger Things with a dash of anime in there, I'd say. So definitely worth checking out. Um, another great book this year was safe sex uh only about seven or eight issues of that so far i think it's on hiatus now but very gay book uh in the best ways possible i definitely mean that as a compliment uh it's got a lot of adult content though it's maybe the most quote-unquote mature book of the year but yeah if you love lgbt content safe sex is by far my favorite uh and then my hats off to uh kieran gillen as a writer i know he does marvel and dc stuff but his indie stuff was great this year with a uh, die which is just jumanji meets D, but better and maybe a little bit of stranger things in there as well but yeah check that out if you love either of those ideas and finally once in future which is a bit of a king arthur story but more interesting like imagine if you found out your grandma was buffy the vampire slayer and you had to team up with her to stop the return of king arthur because he's like a a genocidal maniac that's going to ruin england really awesome premise i don't like arthurian legend that much but this book was an exception i got it on my pull list and can't read wait to read through the whole thing so those are my highlights for comics of the year yeah uh, I have more to say about like my little my niche peak, uh, my niche reading. Uh, once we get to like the anime and manga section, because I've been strangely for me, I've been reading like a lot of manga instead of like uh, comics this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I think we'll uh, circle back to that one later. Uh, maybe to be a little more accessible, we can circle around to movies. Since I mean, you and I could do a three-hour New Year's podcast on comics alone, but this year in movies, I mean, like eight movies came out this year so like i think we can cover this one not too long and our non-comic reading friends can actually relate to this one yeah um let's start with the first movie that came out this year um sonic the hedgehog i think that was like the first major one yeah i I think i'll need to revert to your opinion on this since i didn't get around to watching this uh i was glad to see the studio saved it both with the sonic's design and jim carrey's performance but it it just sounded like every celebrity-led cgi movie like there's a road trip uh it's definitely in that niche of like uh ant cgi character with the dude i mean uh they got cyclops in it 
I'm like, yeah, James movie. Marston. And he was, a, he was in uh, he was in Hop, like an Easter movie with a CGI <laughs> bunny, and it's pretty much that, but pretty decent, pretty good. I have to say, it's not like a high bar, but I have to say this might be the best video game movie. Uh because it's you know what else you have that's actually good? Detective Pikachu, maybe. Yeah, I got I, Detective Pikachu, which I don't think counts because that's, yeah. Universe. I, I might give it to that. Rampage just from what I've seen. Sorry to keep cutting you off, but yeah, I enjoyed Rampage a lot. Just a big, stupid movie about a small, stupid game. So, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I would count Rampage, but that, that thing was nothing like the video game. It just had eight, just had big animals and a Hobbino yeah. Those are not the characters of the game. Yeah, uh, and as far as like the big movies this year that like people wanted to see but maybe didn't uh i'd have to shout out tenant which i I gotta be honest i did not love tenant this year um i'll be honest like now that it's on streaming a few critics have talked about it and like i don't mean to be the guy that like just steals the opinions of others but when i got came out of that theater i knew there were things i didn't like that i couldn't put my finger on like I knew that I didn't like how little explanations there were. I didn't like how I couldn't hear hardly anything anybody was saying in my empty theater experience, uh, which quick shout out when you can buy your tickets online, you can see when a theater is empty and that's how I navigated the theaters this year. So I didn't have to yeah, feel bad about yeah. going to see tenant, <laughs> but yeah, I, I've just seen a lot of people point out how like there's not ever really any kind of establishing shot or like that men in black moment that explains like, this is what the world is. So I just felt like this was sort of a lesser version of inception at the end of the day. It's definitely a uh, less accessible for like, it's, you know, you know, at least in inception in tenant, you never got that scene in inception when there was like, this is how a dream work. You never got that in like tenant. You basically just have to like try to carry on what they're saying. It, you know, a tenant just feels like a film house movie or like an indie movie that just has like a major, like a super big budget. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's like, it's a lot, it doesn't feel like the standard blockbuster. Um, I don't even think it would have done that well if it even came out. It's sadly, we won't never know, but I don't think it would have even done that well if it like came out during a normal year. But I, I like the movie. I like how like seeing these out there concepts and like, uh, visual visualization the whatever you call it in motion uh the story was pretty like lackluster but i i mean it's christopher nolan so the movie looked nice at least yeah i I do worry that like maybe christopher nolan's best days could be behind him like I, i just feel like his last couple films haven't been as good as some of his early ones and maybe that could be like i'm chris frickin nolan i know what i'm doing like Kind of like how people just let George Lucas do whatever he wanted on the Star Wars prequels, and those turned out pretty damn flawed. I think oh, I, 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 I think it was better in those freaking prequels. I mean, that. for sure, but I think we're going to be seeing the decline of Christopher Nolan if I'm a betting man from here on out. I mean, what was the last movie you came out like Dunkirk? Yeah, I did hear pretty all right things about Dunkirk. Uh, I will say I think Dark Knight Rises was the weakest of the trilogy. So like the that and this are kind of what I'm going off. And uh, I just, my wife hates war movies, so we don't see them in the theater. And I don't watch many movies alone. And I never feel in the mood for a war movie alone since they're all like three hours long and pretty depressing. So yeah, I just never got around to Dunkirk despite there being interest there. 
Yeah, I, I can. I don't know. I think it comes down to his next movie. I, I, I don't know. Even know he's gonna have like another big budget movie because the way he like just freaking dissed like Warner Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. After they put a big gamble on like making his the first movie they put back in theaters, like yeah, I can't believe the way he's treating Warner Brothers now. When like I, I don't know what he expected them to do. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's uh. What's the next? What's the next movie? Yeah. I mean, uh, what can't. I think New Mutants came out right around the same time. Like Disney saw the theaters were opening for Tenant, and they're like, "Ah, let's get this out of the way so people can stop asking for it." Uh, so I think they didn't want to have like the big press, like press release because they didn't want to like interfere with like their Marvel stuff. So he was like, "Don't put it on Disney Plus because then we have to market it. Just put it in theaters where no, almost no one can see it because it's not like they like uh produced the movie." I like I didn't know it was out until like i was at a bare empty theater on a weeknight and i seeing posters of it and seeing like oh yeah coming next week I'm like oh huh. I, think the, I think that was the goal grant i think that was the goal i mean for what it's worth like i know new mutants is a far far worse movie than tenet but if i'm being 100 percent honest i enjoyed it more out of the two most of that was going in with no expectation, just being like, I miss going to a movie theater. I miss enjoying movies. I don't care how bad this is. I'm just glad to be back here. And like, yeah, sure enough, I thought that movie was about as good as it could have been for how long it was in production hell. Uh, it gets so, still so flawed, but like there are things I liked about it. Uh, I thought it was fun just seeing teenage mutants hanging around an old asylum and like giving me that teenage X-Men experience. The movies often didn't. Uh, I liked the representation, uh, Maisie Williams and whoever the other actress were being like the first openly and directly lesbian couple in any of these superhero movies was long overdue. And I think it sucks that it had to be in like one of the worst superhero movies of the decade. Yeah, and it's the last Fox superhero movie, so I think that's kind of a bummer, to be honest. I know everyone was, like, a big fan of, like, having the X-Men and, like, the MCU and all that, but I think Fox was, like, really treating, like, the X-Men franchise pretty well. That was from, like, Dark Phoenix. I think, like, all their niche stuff, like, uh, approving, like, Deadpool and approving, like, Logan, show they can have make superhero movies, but not in, like, the same formulaic manner of Marvel. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the X-Men movies really didn't land as well as they should have, especially anything relating to the Phoenix. But, like, if Fox didn't have the X-Men property, like, we never would have gotten Deadpool or Logan, at least not in the way we did. So I'll always be thankful we had Fox there to kind of pioneer the way and do interesting new things that uh, Marvel over at Disney otherwise would never have tried. Yeah, most we have now is, like, Warner Brothers just doing whatever they want with these superheroes. That's the new crazy things now. Yeah, which I think I'd like to touch on there, Wonder Woman 84, which, I mean, we have a whole episode Wait, covering. I think, but I think we should uh, cover another superhero movie before we go there. Oh, uh, okay. That I, I forgot about before. That if it wasn't on the list, I would have never thought about it. Uh, Harley Quinn came out this year. Oh, yeah. uh, Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, or just Birds of Prey, or however they ended up marketing it <laughs> later down the line. I mean, it but, had like a... Yeah. Like, What's your retcons with that name? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Birds of Prey, like, I, I didn't think it was the most noteworthy movie, but I think it gave me the experience I wanted from Suicide Squad in a new female-led movie. And, yeah, I think it's just a really fun kind of one-and-done experience for that little corner of the DC universe. Yeah, I don't think it was, like, 
like terrible. It's not like the worst DC movie. Uh, I mean, it's not worse than Suicide Squad, and or it's not worse than like Batman for Superman uh, original cut. So I mean, I give yeah. you some credit. I think the the main down movie that I can't keep hearing like Harley Quinn voice. I'm really glad the cartoon show doesn't use it, but uh, yeah, I thought it was just a really fun overall experience. Uh, I'd probably lump it in kind of with like Shazam, like a good movie experience that isn't quite like everything else I see, but really only good enough. I'll probably watch it just the once, maybe twice down the line. Uh, But yeah, otherwise like a much more solid entry to the DCU than half of their movies so far. Yeah. I it's, 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 uh, with something i have to say i i enjoy like everything other than like the harley quinn I, like i enjoy like a uh, black canary or like huntress or uh like everyone else i think like harley quinn was like the worst part of her own movie but like yeah i it was a it was a solid experiment i don't think it was gonna be a get a sequel though but i, yeah. I just think harley quinn just works better as a important character even though she's like the fourth pillar of dc yeah, I, I think she really needs an ensemble, and not enough of this movie was Harley Quinn with the Birds of Prey, as the title would kind of make yeah, you think. It was, it was majority. Harley you only Quinn. Really... Even, like, Harley, even Harley Quinn's show has like a lot of supporting cast. Yeah, I think my biggest problem with the movie was like for a movie with the Birds of Prey in the title, I would have liked to see more of the Birds of Prey. So I do hope those characters get more of a presence going forward, but we're almost definitely not going to get a direct sequel with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, even like going to like the next movie we're talking about, these like 2020 movies feel like there's like a, a pre-lockdown movie lineup and like post line, like post lockdown like lineup you know because like i treat like most of these movies like that came out like pre-lockdown it's like last year like 2019 yeah it it doesn't feel like birds of prey came out this year or sonic like that's just a different time a different era in american history when those movies happened even like extraction which is next on the list like i forgot that came out in this year yeah which i will say this was a pretty good year for streamed movies of the few we got like i I didn't get around to seeing extraction myself but uh, i heard some pretty good things a lot of people i like had really good things to say about it Uh, i just didn't get around to it myself yeah i watched it it was like the the standard action flick i'm pretty sure like one of the russo brothers from like uh, marvel directed it it was an outstanding amazing um yeah i know you've seen the next movie though uh old yeah the yeah, the other major Netflix movie of the year, uh, The Old Guard, which uh, I just thought was really impressive. Like, most of the movies I see go straight to Netflix. I usually think kind of suck. Like, they're about the equivalent of straight-to-DVD movies or worse. Uh, but no, The Old Guard, uh, just really impressive for, like, a mid-budget action movie for things we don't really see that much anymore. Uh, I also loved it because it kind of worked as like a reboot of Highlander just with a new name. Like, hey, let's take this existing idea and do something cooler with it. Like a Highlander remake is never going to be this good. So let's just take that idea and do something that's more fun or interesting. Uh, And plus, I mean, based on a comic by Greg Rucka, who's pretty solid writer, I'm glad to see an indie comic get a movie that's getting some attention. So, yeah, I really hope it gets a sequel. And I I would definitely recommend if you need to kill an afternoon, check out Old Guard. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen it. Check it out myself. But I heard like I heard heard mixed reviews about it. 
heard it was like some people loved it, some people hate it, you know. And uh, maybe the biggest streaming movie of the year, though, uh, hardly counts as a movie, but I think we'd have to give it to Hamilton on Disney Plus. Yeah, they like Disney Plus even like took down their like a uh, free month subscription when that movie's about to come out. Yeah, I don't blame them for doing that, but yeah, like I thought that was just such a nice surprise, and like for a big evil corporation like Disney, I thought they did pretty right by their viewers this year. Like what with putting a Onward and Hamilton on Disney Plus for us without making us pay, like they did with Mulan. But uh, yeah, Hamilton was a great experience. Uh, the once I got to see other friends when like we all just kind of had a moment where, like we all know all of us are queer of the virus right now let's get together while we can we watched Hamilton had a great evening and yeah I, I'm so thankful they put it up there so now I can see Hamilton on my budget because I'm not going to afford those $200 tickets anytime soon <laughs> if Broadway ever comes back that is if it ever comes back oh man but yeah that was a big moment that was like a full week and that's like hard to have like a full week of like press and media for like a movie these days mm. yeah which that's one we totally forgot that i mentioned there uh onward i believe came out this year oh it came out this year as well that it came out 2019 let's see let me just pull up a google time tab here uh yeah onward 2020 <laughs> film that that's another one that i think fits into that pre-covid era of movies that happened six years ago that's but- uh that's pixar right that's pixar not disney right Let's see. I thought, let's see, Disney and Pixar. Oh, yeah, there was yeah. a Pixar movie. Oh, yeah. they, released uh, two, they released two Pixar movies this year. That's that's interesting. I've only done that a couple times, and I think most of the time they do that, one of the movies is much less good than the other, and I think this is definitely the case. Like, I, I thought Onward had a pretty cool setting, but I-, I was pretty unimpressed with it, just given like what I've come to expect from Pixar. Meanwhile, Soul, a movie whose premise like I didn't super love going in i thought it was a much more impressive and memorable oh, movie yeah so oh. oh that was on the list i didn't think you've seen it yet yeah uh let's talk about honor real quick i watched onwards one of my last movies i've seen in theaters uh not for like never mind that was that's not true but um onward I, it was pretty mediocre to be honest it felt like a dreamworks movie it didn't have that like big pixar feel it didn't give me the feels or anything like most Pixar movies does, uh, uh, it might be one of their worst movies, actually, if we're, like, the bottom, like, a good dinosaur uh, Brave, because, like, but, uh, I mean, it had a nice voice cast. Voice cast was really solid. I like that, and I I like the premise with it. Just, I felt like they did so little with what they had available to them. Uh, and I don't know. I, I just really was hoping for more from this movie. And yeah, like I said, the opposite of Soul. I had a lot of expectation for this for a so-so movie, like maybe upper tier DreamWorks, lower tier Pixar. Soul, like I really couldn't have cared less for that premise, and it just blew me out of the park with its visuals and overall storytelling. Soul is like the first Pixar movie that really does not feel like a kid's movie. Yeah, you had mentioned that to me right after you saw it. Like, this is not a kid's movie. And then I got a chance to watch it with my wife the other day, and I'm like, Nate was right. This is, I would not, I don't know if I'd like this that much as a kid, but this is way too heavy for me to see it as a kid's movie. Like, forget the ending of Toy Story 3. Like, this is existential right here. Yeah, but it's really, it's really just great because, like, it's just inside out, but, like, with souls. 
Yeah, and I really love this direction that Pixar seems to be going. Like, instead of just making every one of their movies, like, what if the world was toys or cars, monsters, etc.? Now we get, like, Inside Out and uh, Soul and maybe a touch of Onward where it's, like, I not so much Onward, but, like, dealing with greater concepts. Like, okay, let's explore, like, let's personify emotions. Let's personify the afterlife. And, like, they just make all of these worlds so interesting. Like, they could have just done, ooh, dead people in possession with soul. But instead, like, they bring in meditation and, like, unborn souls. Like, the world they build for that movie is really interesting. It's, like, so afterlife-heavy about, like, not even being about, like, the afterlife. It's, like, actually, it's not even about the afterlife. It's about, like, free life. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's It's made by, like, my second favorite Pixar director because Brad Bird's number one with his like him making like Ratatouille and like Incredibles, but uh, Heat Doctor he doesn't get enough credit. Uh, one of the only like non creeps with Brad Bird that's like the like the original like Pixar group. Uh, and he he created like some people favorite Pixar movies like uh he created Inside Out, which kind of makes sense with Soul. Uh, he created Up, he created Monster Inc. He created like Wally. Dang, uh, wait, he did Up and Wally. Yeah. And oh Monster yeah, those Inc. are my two favorite ones. Yeah, dang, I haven't really followed this guy, uh, Pete Doctor, before, but yeah, he's—I think he might actually be their most consistently good one. Since I mean, I, I think less of Brad Bird after Incredibles too. So this guy gets my vote. <laughs> I thought less about Brad Bird after I watch Tomorrowland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brad Bird's in a bit of a slump here, but Pete Doctor, you're doing just fine, man. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, Souls was just such a good movie that made you just think. Um, I mean, it's the first Pixar movie with a black lead as well. So that's something. Yeah, I I was also really happy to see, like, there was a lot of concern ahead of time, just how, like, every black animated movie deals with the main character turning into, like, an animal or something not human. Uh, I (laughs) There was a dose of that here, but not nearly as much as I was worried about. Like, no, this still had a lot of, like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but it had a lot of soul to it. Like, it... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just... it's, a, it's about like jazz music at the end of the day, so that's the most soulful music. Yeah, now I really don't mean to be that teacher asking you this, but like, do you mind if I ask, like, how, like, how do you feel about that movie's representation of black culture? I like, I like how I actually really liked it. You see, I mean, my biggest thing with black characters and media, whatever, in like non live action is like every black person has the same haircut. This is like the mm-hmm. low cut. Um, and you see like all these different uh, types of hair, all these different types of builds. It's like, it's, it's, I feel like it's like used as a template for black characters, which doesn't happen in this movie. Uh, it just expresses like the good highlights of black culture in this movie. Without, without, without me saying like, this is like a black movie, you know? Yeah. And I, I just noticed that I think media in general is getting better at, portraying black culture in interesting and appealing ways to people outside of the black community as well. Uh, Like this was a great example of it. Uh, Season one of Luke Cage made me enjoy jazz music a lot more than like anything else had before it. And uh, the video game dreams, which has a lot in common with this movie and I'll get into it in our game section, but yeah, that also like made me appreciate jazz a bit more and uh, just dipping into that culture a lot. Like, yeah, I'm glad to see Hollywood's, taking its first steps to understanding how to represent black culture. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just really just happy that it's just like, we can just have black characters in the movie without the media, just 
Baraden saying this is like a black movie. It's just like yeah. a, a movie, black characters. Now, before we move on from movies, I would like for us to just touch on Wonder Woman 84. Uh, not very long since we already have a whole episode on it, but we've had a little more time for it to simmer. Uh, I know a lot of other views have come out about it. Uh, I think fundamentally my view has stayed the same in that like, it's a very flawed movie. It's often stupid, but at the end of the day, it's still super good for kids. Like kids are going to love this thing. And like, yeah, only or be let down. Uh, but it, at the end of the day, it's worse than this out there, and we've suffered through it. I, I think maybe a lot of that probably is, though, just, like, expectations since Wonder Woman was, like, the first objectively good DC movie, and, like, we've been waiting on this for a good three years, and plus it was, like, our first big movie we can all access without putting ourselves in mortal danger, and it was not as good as the first one. Like that's, uh, I think it's just uh, expectations that are really hurting its ratings. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks that wonder woman finally fell in the trap. Like her peers in the Trinity having that bad, that like not as good movie, you know? I mean, I mean, we had like, we have like a whole bunch of bad Superman movies and bad, bad movies, but you know, it sucks that wonder woman has that not great movie right after her first one. Her first major appearance. Yeah, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, she's officially bad. in the. Tr- she's officially in the Trinity, and that half her movies yeah. aren't that great. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I rather watch Wonder Woman than like Batman and Superman bad movie. I'm definitely not watching Superman four again. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think maybe another part of it is that like the first Wonder Woman movie does do a great job, just like with kind of its feminist ideals. Whereas this like. I've seen a lot of feminists criticize this movie and I don't think they're wrong to do it. Like there are great moments in it. I think the opening scene especially is like a great moment for uh, little kids to grow up watching. But like, yeah, when you look at Wonder Woman and Cheetah, there are some not so like feminist icon things about those characters. And I get the disappointment. Yeah. I think it's mostly that Wonder Woman one, it's just such a different feel to Wonder Woman one. Which is like I can say as someone who like read comics that like I feel like Wonder Woman two like uh nineteen uh eighty four is a better representation of like Wonder Woman comics than like the first movie was. I don't yeah. think Wonder Woman has been like that in like war other than like war propaganda. Like that's like every superhero. Yeah, and I mean, we also have to give them credit that, like, they were making this movie, like, immediately after the first one ended and, like, made a billion dollars. So the fact they've been making this over three years, it got pushed back a year, the the overview of DC has changed so much in that time. Like, entire timelines of movies and future plans have been thought up and canceled in that time. So, like, this movie had to fit a lot of expectations from the studio. And, like, I'm not surprised that it suffered a little in the process. I'm hoping that um, we get more movies, at least tonally, even though this movie got, like, critically planned. Hopefully we get more movies tonally to this instead of, like, the Snyder Cut. Because i rather have these light movies than keep having, like, God Snyder vision of DC Universe, which got him in this, like, messed up situation in the first place. Yeah, if your movie's going to be bad, at least let it be fun. And... Bad and fun. Can I get your permission to go on a tangent about the worst movie that was still technically in theaters this year that I experienced in the year of 2020? 
I saw the film Cats six, kind of seven times. Um, I gotta say, like, it's it's bad. I'm not gonna say it's a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it was my last good theater experience because I went with uh, about seven or eight other people. Let's just say none of us were sober. Um, and I mean, we went with the intention of making fun of this movie. We expected to be ejected. Somehow 30 people showed up to the viewing we went to like a week after it came out. It was like the week after Christmas. Uh, 30 people there. And like, we're laughing and making our comments. And like, we're waiting for people to turn around, look at us or like shush us. Instead, the rest of the theater joined in. Like, we experienced, like, a live, like, living version of the Rocky Horror Picture Show before it was established. Just, like, everyone joins in and makes fun of this movie. And, like, oh, my God, it was the best bad movie experience I've ever had. Because most bad movies, like, either they're boring or they're just made by untalented people, like The Room. So it's like, yeah, of course everything in this movie sucks. The guy who made it's an idiot. No, there is so much talent behind Cats. And every decision they made in that movie was a bad one. Like from its inception, terrible ideas across the board. So like, it's just the most expensive train wreck you'll ever see. And so much effort went into it and it was all wasted. So very much a fun experience. Uh, pick your poison, go into the movie, not sober, not alone. And I don't think you'll be disappointed. Maybe it's just me, but like, I can't get enough of how bad cats is. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like almost in the tier so bad it's good movies because it's just so out there, you know? It's hard to explain. I mean, that's the way I was putting it. Like, if you rate movies on like how little they are to every other movie you've seen, then Cats would be one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. Like, I have never seen anything else like Cats. So like, it's all bad, but I think that's part of the reason I took to it so much is like, our movies have gotten so samey in the last five years, but none of them looked a thing like cats. So like, I'll give them that. It was at least unique. Yeah. It's, it's going to be remembered more than like a lot of movies that came out. Yeah. I mean, people have made more jokes about that or references to that than they ever did. Birds of prey. If I'm being honest. <laughs> like, I'm not going to forget cats existed. Yeah, it started off this terrible train wreck of a year. So, thanks, guys. All right, let's. Uh, any, any other movies before we move on to like TV shows? I, I think that covers it as far as movies go. All right, uh, let's let's just let's start out with like shows we both know we both each other watch. Um, start with the biggest highlight for me at least. Uh, the Boy season two. Yeah, yep, definitely watched that, enjoyed it way more than the first season, and I liked the first season quite well. Uh, uh, that's, I don't know if I'd put it as my number one show of the year, but I don't know if I have a number one, but it's a top contender. Yeah, it just, you know, it, it took me back to the days where, like, and I feel like a lot of people hate it, and even gave it four one-star reviews because people are crazy, just because of the release method. But I think it really really goes I, I like that feeling of like every week i have something to watch it didn't have like a whole bunch of memes online or fan interaction about like the latest episode which you don't really get anymore since like it's like netflix made the model of like just dumping episodes out and like one thing i really found that i enjoy in this year of no man's lord 2020 i like having something to look forward to every week 
And that's what the boys gave me. Like, okay, here's a nice batch. Here's three hours of the boys to watch. And then it's going to be here every week. That was super nice. And I, I've started watching an anime again that I didn't know was coming out. It's only got four episodes of the season here. Uh, and I love that it's coming out one week at a time. I, I feel like I have something to look forward to and not just like a chore to binge when I have the time. Yeah, and I think The Boys is like a perfect pace. I think it was only like eight episodes, right? Right. And like, I feel like that's the best episode count for like a TV show, especially if it's like an hour long. It's come from a dude that used to watch like uh, CW shows. 23 episodes is too much for almost anything. <laughs> like, it's just... You, if you have so many episodes, you're gonna have filler. But the boys felt like every episode landed on that that type of comic book uh, ending feel. You know, when you're like, "Oh, this ending reveal that makes you think of and holds over to like the next issue." That's what I felt like watching the boys. And I, I do wonder, like, if they kind of realized in the production that they would need to release a full batch early on, because like those first three episodes of the season were a little bit of a slog just because like everything is going wrong for the characters and they're depressing but like it's at the end of that third episode where things turn around so like i might have been a little more underwhelmed by the boys if its first three weeks of release had been that low uh but no they just get that out of the way so they could get us right to the fun stuff so uh, like i would not be surprised if that's how they decided to release it the way they did And like and now we're getting like a spin-off show that's basically like My Hero Academia, but in the boys universe. Oh that's right, I forgot they announced that. And season three should be coming out soon in like twenty uh I mean not soon because it's like twenty twenty, but it yeah. should be coming out um at least by next year, late next year. So I'm excited for Fingers that. Crossed. Yeah, and I'm really excited to see like spinoffs explore this universe more because I-, I think you and I have both read the whole initial run of the boys' comics, right? Yeah, like I, I think we're also on the same page that the show is so much better. Like I think uh, the writer Garth Ennis is super problematic. I don't like the way he handles a lot of his grittier content. Like I feel like it's just edgy to be edgy. Uh, but the boys, I think, it comes at it much better. I like the way they handle the material much more. And like the show really only focuses on the seven, but the comic has like parodies of the Teen Titans, the Legion, the X Men. Uh, so like, yeah, I'm really excited to see more talented hands explore what at least was a very creative and interesting universe that Garth Fennis wrote. I I feel like I mean Garth Fennis hated if anyone knows who Garth Fennis he hates superheroes. Uh, he just he, like he's a comic writer that just hates superheroes so much. So these boys were just like a spinoff on just like all the super stuff in comic books. I mean, superhero comics that he doesn't like. Um, in the show, you can tell like they're having fun. It's not like a hatred for these like superheroes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and I, I think Homelander was like the best performance of the year. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I loved Homelander and also uh, I-, I like what they did with Stormfront just because like, okay, spoilers, Stormfront's a Nazi. I'm sorry. But like, Almost every other time I've seen a Nazi character in fiction, they're just like uh, Indiana Jones henchmen, just, you know, really disposable, like they're racist for racism's sake. And yeah, go ahead and do that. Nazis are terrible. Do whatever you want. Punch them. I don't care. Uh, But this show, like, actually kind of modernized the Nazi. Like Stormfront is very much like using modern nazi tactics and showing us what a modern version of this type of person looks like and i think that's super important that we're not just lumping them in with indiana jones caricatures like yeah let's see the real version and let's see them get stomped by three awesome empowered women 
that's the main thing with like the the boys that you can make these like the like the the villains like in any other show they would just be like people we hate but, like all all the characters other than like Stormfront that are villains are like in like the uh the seven are like super interesting like uh A Train had a whole arc and he's like a murderer but you forget that mm-hmm. how like likely you make these characters are yeah like I mean. The Deep is a sexual predator, and we get an arc for him. Like in, in the comics, being bad, he just gets his Muppets, and now he's just like the joke character of the series. Yeah, and I, I like that the show is aware about the fact, that, like, no, like, yeah, his life can suck, and you maybe feel a little sorry for him, but you don't redeem that guy. Like, you even see like Starlight and the other characters being like, no, no, you don't get to just apologize for this. F you, like, no, and. I think that I'm very glad to see that's where television is at right now. That they know I wish like, that happens. In, I wish that happens in real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and good on them too. Cause like, you know, there's creepy predators out there that like, they were hoping this character was going to get like a redemption arc to get. Yeah. I'm still lovable, but like, no, no, you don't get that. No one has to forgive you after doing something like that. And I, I, I'm just shocked that with how evil Hollywood is that we got this storyline in the show. Well, I mean, before, I mean, <laughs> if you're going to Reddit, people were defending Stormfront too before, like the big reveal. So you don't know with these people, and I think the biggest surprise is um that like this show is so anti-consumerism, but it's produced by Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like there's a lot of Disney projects and properties out there that are like basically anti-Disney, but like still get released by the company because they'll make money. But yeah, that's exactly what this is. And I I think what also makes this kind of excel over the comic book is that, like, the comic book was making fun of superhero comics circa 2007. So, like, definitely something that deserved jabbed at, but not a very accessible punching bag right there. Whereas this, I feel like, is kind of making fun of modern superhero movies, both from Marvel and DC. And, yeah, like, a lot of us are sick of Marvel movies. I know people who love movies that can't stand the Marvel movies, regardless of how, quote-unquote, good they are. So, yeah, I think this very much appeals to those people. Yeah, this show this show came out in like two thousand eight. It wouldn't have like none of like the weight it would have. That's like just when Iron Man's about to come out, you know? But like yeah. now like oversaturation of superhero media. So it's basically just like represent like the boy the boys' characters just, like see these characters like we see like the Avengers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's so many parallels with that. You see that with like the way they handle the franchise and stuff, like <laughs> I just love what they're doing. I love how they're making fun of my favorite kind of content. Like, yeah, all that content is made specifically for me, and I can appreciate the humor and what they're doing here. All right, let's move on to our second uh, superhero show of the year. That doesn't have to... I I didn't like it as much as the point, but I thought it was interesting. Season two, uh, Umbrella Academy. Yeah, uh, I liked it pretty well uh, as well. Uh, Yeah, definitely not nearly as much as the boys, but uh, I thought this had a really solid improvement over the first season. Um, Like, I liked that the characters actually kind of worked together and somewhat liked each other this time around. Uh, And yeah, it's just a very creative superhero show. And it's what I know, like, the boys is also kind of out there, but like, Umbrella Academy isn't quite parodying the realm of superheroes the way the boys is and yet it's still a completely unique experience compared to the rest of superhero content 
I think like the boys in like Umbrella Academy is just representing like superhero being like being a superhero thing. It's not like being like a cowboy or like a western. Like you can do so much things with like superheroes that like I even I might be kind of biased because I I'm a love of superheroes, but like it's so many different type of things you can do with superheroes. It just works. Like Umbrella Academy is just so out there. I mean, we have a character with like it's just a fish and like a, <laughs> a goldfish and like a fishbowl. Yeah, talking fish that that's not explained, and I don't care that they don't explain it. Like, yeah, that's just a set piece in this world. That's okay. I, I like the season better than season one. Uh, I know that's like I, I don't think that's like the general opinion, but like I like the like the characters get along on uh, this season. Um, I like that it didn't feel like a lot of downtime because I felt like in season one it was like a lot of just like misunderstandings and like characters just walking around. Um, also got rid of like the weird like incest tension between Vanya and Luther, which I didn't like in season one. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of good improvements this time around. But um, one thing I would like to say a little unrelated to the show, but if you're listening to this, be a better TV consumer than I am. And if you like Umbrella Academy, watch through Doom Patrol, which I think is now on HBO Max. Because like, I've heard so many great things about that show. I've watched the first half of the first season and it's, it's the only other superhero show that's within a stone's throw of Umbrella Academy. And like the Doom Patrol comics are a big thing that inspired the Umbrella Academy comics. Uh, and like, yeah, Gerard Way, who wrote those, even went back to write Doom Patrol later. So if you like Umbrella Academy, Doom Patrol is worth watching. It's also not going to be like any other superhero content you've seen. And I think it's one of the most underappreciated shows on television right now. Oh, if you think like an Umbrella Academy is crazy, like Doom's Pro season two is like Umbrella Academy on crack. Like that, that <laughs> people out there. I I don't even know who that show's made for, but that's like in a good thing. That's like in a good way. Like I, I it just goes random, especially because they're on like HBO instead of like DC. So they can be like really explicit in there in like in season two. Uh and I, I, I know like Ray Fisher having this big controversy right now, but uh the dude to play Cyborg in Doom Patrol is, is the best live action cyborg and like the best depiction of cyborg since uh teen titans cartoon yeah yeah i really like that version uh I, I like that we get to see superhero like proper superhero cyborg and something like he's the closest to an actual dc superhero that show gets and yeah, yeah. even though like um cyborg from like the justice league cartoon justice league uh, tv show it's a better adaptation of cyborg from the comic but i don't like cyborg from the comics i like booyah cyborg yeah, yeah. This is the closest we've gotten to Teen Titans Cyborg since that cartoon. Now, other shows like I, I gotta say, if there's a streaming service that put out content I love this year, it was HBO Max. Like uh, almost every original on there that I checked out, I really loved. Uh, Lovecraft Country is just amazing. Raised by Wolves is pretty interesting and weird, uh, and. I feel like it's movie selection is really good. So yeah, pretty much any of the HBO originals, I thought really knocked it out of the park this year. Uh, I mean, we can just do a standard, like HBO max is my favorite stream service. Now uh, it just has so much content compared to like something like Disney plus, which uh, we're talking about later, but only people, people, when people watch Disney plus is for Mandalorian, like no one's going to watch like most of that catalog. Yeah, like, I, I think the thing is Disney Plus, like, with the originals it makes is so geared toward, like, kids and the family-friendly audience that, like, a Mandalorian... Shows. That's most of the content is just Disney Channel original movies. 
Yeah, like once the nostalgia of like, oh hey, they've got recess and gargoyles. Like once that wore off after a month, like yeah, Mandalorian was the only thing I watched on there. Or like my wife would want to watch Moana, so like we'd put it on for that. But that was it. Uh, whereas like HBO Max is really reaching for adult audiences and succeeding. And there is good kids stuff on there. I mean, like you got Sesame Street uh, and some other things, uh, and kind of all ages they have the miyazaki movies something i'm shocked disney plus doesn't have so yeah just something that i've always wanted to get around to that now i have a way to yeah like i've been watching like a whole bunch of like older like hbo shows like sopranos for the first time and like the um the wire which i never had like the chance to watch before uh and that's amazing and it's like they got cartoon network stuff they have uh old they have like a lot more a lot of movies up there uh not even wonder really movies so it's it's the best streaming service to me um, oh right yeah i like i'm more of a steven universe guy myself but i've heard the uh new adventure time content they put on there has been great oh yeah uh, so got that as well yeah that's another kids content thing yeah new adventure time oh and uh also primal is like the cartoon i want to watch most but it doesn't appeal to my wife and i just haven't had the time with my own stuff to get around to it but yeah the animated content on hbo max is just overall friggin' great yeah, and now they have all the DC stuff and do a little uh, lead way into uh, Harley Quinn. That's I'm surprised it came out this year because it. this is like the most surprising season two ever because this season two came out like two weeks after season one finished. Yeah, oh, we got so much content of this back-to-back and like, I I cannot believe how good this show is. I mean, like, <laughs> it, it very much is like DC's Deadpool, but I, it's the best R-rated animated comedy we've gotten in years i'd say like this reminds me of like back when family guy was good or when south park was good but now it's like going toward those of us that grew up watching batman the animated series and justice league and stuff. Hey, it's the second best batman cartoon it's not even about <laughs> Batman. it's the second batman like we have it's because it's, it's parroting on characters you know it's like uh Flanderizing like some crates, but in like good way. Like we have Bruce Wayne being like this, like basically like a little boy, and and Alfred's like just basically being his dad. Uh, it, you can just tell how much these people love Batman, but they know like the fun side of Batman, like not the dark and gritty side, but like the fun stuff in Batman. I mean, he made Kite Man into one of my favorite characters. That's what we're watching that show. Yeah, they're leaning into all of the stupidest aspects of Batman, and it's working. It's like, yeah, DC has taken itself so seriously for so long, and this TV show is knocking it down a peg. And, like, finally, it's somewhere people can watch it. Because originally it was just on the DC Universe app, which was a terrible app that wasn't even available on PlayStation, uh, and, like, just hard to get. <laughs> it was not on PlayStation. I don't know why not. Yeah, and, like, now it's going to stop being a streaming service, and I don't think it ever got that PlayStation app. Like, you know, comic fans and gamers, they don't cross over at all. Why would we make that? Like, gosh, that's a terrible... It was, on, it was on Xboxes, so I don't know why it wasn't on PlayStation. Yeah, but, like, what I love, too, is that uh, while they're good at parroting things about, like, Batman and the DC Universe, they're also willing to, like, totally change characters for the better just for the purposes of the show, like... King Shark is easily my favorite character. Every other time I've seen him, he's just a broody, a brutish man that's half shark. Whereas this, he's the tech guy. He's like the Ned Flanders, like kindly tech guy, and he's the best. Like I relate to him so much. Yeah, man. It's uh, and then we have like Clayface, which like Clayface <laughs> is always supposed to be like a, like supposed to be an actor, but they really play into it in this. 
Yeah, he's like the Shakespearean actor speech <laughs> style of actor. <laughs> and also possibly trans icon Clayface. Like we see him turn into a sorority girl and like really get into it and pursue relationships. <laughs> so yeah, oh gosh, it's such a fun show. And I mean, there's only like what, 20 episodes or something. So like if you love so adult good. animation or comic books, like this is so worth your time. It was like the sleeper hit for like DC Universe, even though like, because not everyone could get like in the Young Justice that came out 2019, so I'm not gonna go into that. But like, Harley Quinn was like, people were getting DC Universe just for Harley Quinn. Yeah, I, I knew people that like were like, oh, gosh, I don't want to get DC Universe, but like the two episodes of Harley Quinn I pirated are just so good. I need more of this. Yeah, and now they're on HBO Max for like, and now they're like really pushing it now because you know Harley Quinn is the fourth pillar of DC. Yeah, and I finally and, feel like it's deserved now, other than this being like a hot topic character. Like, I feel like, yeah, Harley Quinn TV show, it's deserving now. It's deserved. Harley Quinn deserves all the love to get from DC. And I, I know we're just kind of dragging this on a bit, but like, it's finally Harley Quinn doesn't feel like DC's knockoff Deadpool or, yeah, the hot topic character. Like, this totally warrants all the hype she's getting. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's made me actually enjoy Harley Quinn for the first time when, uh, before this, I've just felt like she was everywhere and just like the most basic girl comic character. Like it, the guys who just get a Deadpool morph suit and go to Comic-Con, the female equivalent of that is, yeah, you, you go to Hot Topic, get some red and black and you're Harley Quinn. Like, I just thought it was a yeah. basic nerd character and no, she's great. The show's awesome. Watch it. Yeah, you know, if you read any DC event, Harley Quinn's there for no reason. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I'm, I am now here for it. If it means more Harley Quinn, the animated series, they can put her on whatever they want. All right. Uh, let's talk about the, the reason everybody have DC. Uh, I mean, everybody have Disney Plus. Uh, the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, I Hot take. I thought this season was amazing. I really liked so many of the episodes, but... I felt kind of lukewarm about the finale. Uh, where did you come down on that? Like it? I, I loved. I loved it. I loved like the last episode, man. With Luke's coming. Uh, spoilers. Luke comes in, and it just wow. It's just it fits in with like the Star Wars canon. Like it's just a great moment to see how Disney is finally just. I mean, they did this with Han Solo, but like really just embracing what people actually care about from Star Wars mythos instead of just being like prequel stuff from like the last couple last decade of stuff or like new stuff like i i like exploring this period finally it's uh still in like the original trilogy timeline you know it's playing with the toys we want to play with i guess we're where i come down on the finale like it's like a much less bad version of the game of thrones finale that like everything i expected or wanted to happen happened i just felt like the execution wasn't quite there somehow and I think I'm just not film literate enough to quite explain why, but like, I'm just comparing it to the season one finale, which like I found just a lot more emotionally riveting and gripping, like when they're cornered in the bar or when the robot is sacrificing himself and Mando takes his helmet off and stuff. Like I, all of that really resonated with me. Whereas this, like, I just didn't think those beats hit quite as hard despite every moment here being way more epic. And like, I love a lot about the finale. Like I thought the whole crew they get sieging the star destroyer is awesome. I think it's like the best cast of female characters we've seen in an action set piece like this. Uh, I, I think maybe it's just some of the moments, like 
I think they could have done more with Mando's showdown with uh, Giancarlo Esposito's character. Uh, I think maybe the moment that's holding them all in a corner, like, just seems a little too silly. Like, robots punching a door until it falls down. Like, not quite as good as being cornered by stormtroopers with lasers. And, yeah, like, the Luke Skywalker moment is pretty cool, but it just felt like a much lesser moment of the Rogue One Darth Vader moment to me. Like, I just felt like he was gliding through these things, and I felt like he should have had something of a minor challenge. Like, he should have had an actual fight there. And I get maybe part of it's because they had to shroud him because CGI is expensive and Mark Hamill's old and fat now. But, like... I don't know. I, I felt like it could have had a slightly better ending. And yeah, I mean, that's coming from a place where I thought so many of the episodes this season were like great Star Wars short films that were better than most of the recent movies. Yeah, we're, we'll talk about this later when we're talking about upcoming stuff. But I do feel like a lot of season two was like trying to build up these uh these spinoff shows uh, for other Star Wars properties. Yeah, currently it's like a Ahsoka show and like Luke Skywalker shows in development. Yeah, a couple like Clone Wars spinoffs and stuff. Yeah, the Boba Fett we, show. We we get into that later. Um, any other uh, TV show related? Yeah, I, I would about? just touch on like a couple of the HBO things a little more in depth. Uh, I thought Lovecraft Country was one of the best shows this year. Like it kind of felt like if Jordan Peele had a series. Uh, I really recommend people watch through it. I have to admit, I thought it kind of slogged in the first half. Like, it has a great pilot, pretty okay second episode, and then the next few are kind of weak. But episode six and seven, it really takes off and, like, just a really great experience. Uh, uh, definitely watch it if you like to get out or us or, uh, like, any of the other recent, like, Lovecraftian horror bits. Very good show. Yeah. Uh, well, it didn't come out in 2020, uh, but. I did spend a lot of 2020 watching this show, uh, my new favorite TV show, uh, The Venture Bros, which just got oh. canceled. I'm bringing it up. I benched like through all seven seasons in like two weeks, and I'm in love with the show. It's basically like any everything I love about comics or not even comics, like pop culture in that show. So yeah, hopefully yeah. HBO Max brings it back. So because I've been talking about that. I think the most recent season came out this year, if I'm not mistaken. So like that's something kind of relevant. But yeah, Venture Bros is maybe the most underrated Adult Swim comedy and <laughs> super worth watching, especially for comics fans. Um, I have to say it's better than Rick and Morty for me. Really? Uh, yeah, you know, Rick and Morty. Go ahead. I have to say, like Rick, and everyone, everyone wants this long continuity with Rick and Morty, and uh, creators just want to be like uh, another Family Guy or whatever. Uh, you get that with Venture Bros. I just feel like because venture, I feel like Venture Bros. Be a way bigger show if it came out in this new climate of social media era. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, and actually, I will just touch on a uh, Rick and Morty season four. I really liked. I think uh, it has some of the best episodes of the series so far. Uh, oh, it, right, that did come out part of season like that last half of like season um four came out this year. Yeah, like the train episode alone is great. Uh, the vat of acid episode is spectacular, but way too depressing for me to ever watch again. Yeah, real great moments of that show. And yeah, I, guess... I have to say, um, go ahead. Uh, actually, I'm about to change the subject, so go ahead. I have to say, um, it's way better in season three. I feel like they 
they found they came up from uh phenomenon with the pickle rick stuff and like the sex one sauce but they're finally trying to like reel it back in to like normal good television instead of yeah. like just trying to be meme and stuff yeah um and that reminds me of two other animated series that came out this year that i'd really recommend people check out um uh one is uh solar opposites which i mean it's from uh, the guy who voices Rick, uh, Justin Roiland, and it's basically Kmart, Rick and Morty. And, and you know what? It's still pretty good. Not quite as good as Rick and Morty at its best, but like it has one episode that just harps in on a subplot they build through the rest of the series. That's just one of the best animated comedy episodes I've ever seen. Really great and emotional. Uh, so like, if you need something to kind of scratch your Rick and Morty fix, Sore Opposites is a really good show. Um, and another animated one that came straight to Netflix, um, The Midnight Gospel, is one of the most unique pieces of media I've ever seen. Uh, it's from Pendleton Ward, the animator, the creator of Adventure Time. And it's basically an animated psychedelic podcast. Like, I got to be honest, if you're into drugs at all or weed or anything, I'm not endorsing that. But like, this is the show to watch while you're using those substances. Uh, and like, it's taking audio from a podcast and putting really interesting animation over it where they discuss like, uh, just philosophy, the afterlife, uh, metaphysics, just very big concepts. And like, oh gosh, it's a very fun watch. Like if nothing else, have a drink and check out the first episode. Cause you'll know whether or not you like it based off of one. Yeah. Oh, what was the previous show you just talked about? I had, I had a brain for it. What was it like show? Uh, you- Solar Opposites. Yeah, Solar Opposite, I watched that. I have to say, it, it the B-plot is better than the A-plot of that <laughs> show. That 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 wall section really had me going uh, compared to, like, the... Because the normal show just feels like normal Rick and Morty. But, like, I, I, I really like the B-plot with, like, it's basically just, like, tiny people in the wall of the aliens. That was interesting. Uh, Midnight Gospel, it's just, like... It's just a podcast with just the animators going wild in the background. Yeah, it just—I I, I didn't know nothing about the show at first, and it's just like, wow, it's just like two people talking with just crazy stuff just happening in the background, with them like periodically reward, like recording like new clips because like the pocket episodes are already like finished. They're just like uh, sparsely like bringing like talking things about happening in the show itself, but it's mostly just two people talking. The shit just happened in the background. And to clarify, for those who haven't heard of the show, we're being literal when we say it's an animated podcast. Like, they took clips from uh, the Duncan Trussell Family Hour podcast and just animated bits of it and put it to series. Uh, so I, I've checked... <laughs> Is anything that's happened? Yeah, I've checked out the podcast a little bit, and I, I don't like it as much as the Midnight Gospel, but, like, I'll definitely give it an occasional listen now just because, like, I know they talk about some interesting and wild stuff. Now, last show I'll just quickly mention, uh, also on HBO Max, is uh, Raised by Wolves. Uh, This is kind of like, if, I don't want to say if Prometheus made sense, because it gets so weird, but the first episode is really strong. I will say it's one of those shows where I think the first episode is kind of its best, but it's still worth watching from there. So check out an episode of it if you liked Prometheus or wanted to like Prometheus or like that Ridley Scott kind of content. Uh, I feel like it's a more sci-fi version of Lost, basically, in that, like, it's just going to go weird places. 
I think the questions they pose will get answered, but like I'll let people know right up front that you're not going to get all your answers in a single season. But yeah, check out a, check out an episode of it. See if you care for it. All right, let's move on to uh, anime and manga. It might be our shortest one so far because haven't watched them as anime, uh, and we haven't like watched a lot of and like read a lot of similar stuff. So we just say our highlights real quick. Yeah, I, I... Uh, we have watched Beastars Stars together. Though. We both have watched Beastars. Stars. Yeah, I think that's maybe the only one you and I both watched. Uh, yeah, Beastars was... I, I felt embarrassed watching it. Uh, my wife definitely made me close the blinds when I was watching it in the living room because of how suggestive it gets, but uh, I, I liked it a lot. Like, yeah, it's furry content, but, like, this is the show that's asking the questions about the Zootopia universe that we all wanted to know. So, like, even if you don't like anime... It, <laughs> I'd say give it a watch. It's a wild time. Okay, if you can just get over it, that it's like, you just have to accept it as furry shit. That's all you have to do. <laughs> like, it's, it's furry content, but it's not like a bad furry content, you know? Like, it's a, you know, it's about animals having sex, but like, it's not as, it's not as explicit, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. like, they're definitely <laughs> wanting to have sex, but you never quite see it, but like... I mean, come on. They've been sexualizing furry characters since Space Jam right. or earlier. Like, come on. It's, uh, it has a freaking panda with a, uh, what is, what was it? Yeah, a it's crossbow. Like a, like a bamboo crossbow, cross- wasn't it? Bamboo crossbow. It has action. It's, it's a good show. Yeah. And what, uh, I, go ahead. Go ahead. What I really I liked gonna... about it, like, uh, this is the first time that I've seen one of these 3D CG animes actually look good. Like, I hate this style of animation so much. Like, they keep making content that would otherwise interest me, but I can't get by how bad these even dubbed or subbed animes with 3D anime look. Like, they've made Godzilla movies that look like it. Can't get past it. I've always wanted to get into Ultraman. They made a mature Ultraman series on Netflix using this. Can't get past it. It looks so freaking stupid. There's a few animes that have used this that would otherwise interest me. Can't look past, can't get past how stupid it looks. Anime is supposed to look cool. That's one of its major factors, or like major appeals for me. But no, they won't make it crappy Pixar, and I hate it. But this, <laughs> it actually looks good in B Stars for the first time. So maybe this style of animation is just meant for furries, and that's where it works. <laughs> it's it doesn't have a, much as an uncanny valley with when it's just being animals compared to mm-hmm. those like real people. Uh, like, I think they might as well have made it 2D, but, like, maybe it's cheaper, maybe it's easier to work with these assets. I don't know, but, like, hey, at least you found a place it works. Yeah. Uh, I think, have you seen the latest season of My Academia? Uh, most of it. I, I kind of bailed on the last few episodes, and they have the filler arc where they're fighting Gentle, but I did see the last episode with the Endeavor fight. I thought that was awesome. Uh, oh, yeah. you, didn't, you, didn't like the, you didn't like the Gentle stuff? Yeah, maybe it gets good later on, but like, yeah, it just felt like content that I could go for an episode or two of. I didn't need a whole arc dedicated to the kids having fun at a fair and handling a D-list villain. I I I I like that part. I haven't I haven't watched anime for a while now, but I'm up to date with the manga, so I know all the content that happens in it, and I, I liked it because it was a uh, it was like a low period in the show. After like, I don't want like have every arc going like non-stop big villain big thing big thing so i like the small like little arc i mean for like cinema like superheroes you don't really have that much of 
like smaller characters what we see in like American comics. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love my hero in general just because like it's giving me everything I love about X Men, but in a piece of content people are actually watching. Like, I can see, I can find My Hero Academia merch almost anywhere. I see people wearing the backpacks, the hats. Like, I can see strangers with the merch and like strike up a conversation for it. I never had that with X Men, so I'm just glad that that general premise is finally in something that works super well. Yeah, it's just it's just. Uh take Dragon Ball Z or Naruto and just make it superheroes. And that's a show. Um, yeah. I liked it I better mean, than the other in this year that came out. That yeah. We'll talk about later. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my thing, is My Hero is the only shonen I've found I can enjoy. Uh, and I think that was made apparent when uh, Demon Slayer was coming out this year. Uh, just because, like, I could tell Demon Slayer was a pretty good anime. My friends were loving it. Uh, it was pa- faster paced than the other shonens I've tried. But, like, I got 15 to 20 episodes in and just like, yeah, it was good. I just didn't feel a ton of need to keep watching it. And I think that's really just a failing on my part. Like, yeah, this just doesn't appeal to me. Like I've got American comics. I don't need the Japanese equivalent. I don't know. I don't, I don't agree with that part, but um, I feel like Demon Slayer, just like my academia without like any of like the flair. They're both just basic shonen stories, but I, I think I can just appeal more to my academia because I'm into superheroes and I'm not really into like this uh demon slay or whatever. But I have I did check out another manga this year that I really enjoy. I think you should read Grant. Uh it's called Chainsaw Man. It's like everything you probably hate about like Shonen. Like, you know, you hate the Shonen with like the the long backstories and like carriage with the charging up and these special and all these mess. Chainsaw Man is basically that just demons just exist in the world, and public officials have to uh, public officials have to like, hunt them down. And the main character is a dude that had to sell his like nutsack off, his eyeball, his like left kidney or whatever, just to get by in life, and he just becomes a chainsaw man. Huh. So like, does he just carry a chainsaw, or is it like an Ash Williams thing that it's his hand? He has, like, or... a demon. he has a demon that's a chainsaw. That he fused together with become a chainsaw man. I can't I can't explain it no more. You just have to check it out. It's a ridiculous concept, but it's any it's like the most out there manga anime I've ever seen. I gotta look up what this looks like. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, a chainsaw demon guy. Yep, that's about what I could have expected. And yeah, so I guess you like... want to check it out. It's on the Shonen Jump app for two dollars two dollars for all the content. Manga content. I mean, for our listeners' sake, uh, I'm very unexposed to manga. Like, I've probably read less than 20 volumes of manga in my life, and I've read a ton of American comics in that time. But you and I have almost identical taste when it comes to comic books on the American side. So, like, if there's one manga that you would say I should check out, like, imagine you're suggesting a manga to your younger self or the version of you that hasn't read manga, what would you put in their hands? I would put in Chainsaw Man because I just finished okay. the whole run. It's only it's a nice solid ninety-seven chapters, which sounds like a lot if you compare it to American comics. But the way like Japanese and manga com- uh, comics read, like twenty pages feel like a uh, takes like two minutes, two to three minutes. It's like just nap, it just goes by super fast. Yeah, let's see, ninety-seven chapters. So that's what. Yeah, that's only like eleven volumes, and like 
you can pop through a volume easily in a day, if not like three or four. <laughs> yeah, especially when it has like a lot of action, when action just take up like a lot of page space, you know, you just go right through it. Let's see, as far as other anime this year, um, there were a few like slightly more obscure ones I checked out. Uh, one, I, I don't think it came out in 2020, but I watched it in 2020, so damn it, it counts. Uh, it's called Inu Yashiki. That like, you know how pretty much every Silver Age comic or like Jack Kirby comic, you get like some scientist or like unlikely teenager that's given powers and like has to figure out what to do with them. Uh, this is one that like, okay, imagine that, but it's like an 80 year old man that's in his last days. Like he gets, he basically gets turned into this invincible cyborg that can do almost anything. Uh, and like seeing what he does with such great power and like how he just try, like he loses his humanity in the process kind of, or like he's no longer technically human. He's just a robot, but to counteract that he doesn't like lose his self instead he's trying to be the best person he can with these great powers and like there's another teenager that the same thing happens to who at first is like just kind of becomes a sadistic killer but you grow to like kind of understand why he's so messed up and like see him try and be better uh, the anime is only like 10 to 13 episodes long it's on amazon prime so as long as you're already subscribed to the evil company you might as well check it out uh very high recommendation for a new shiki for a short one yeah and another one in the same category that i recommend with a few more stipulations is a made in abyss uh which like if you like old style jrpgs like the old final fantasy games on the super nintendo or like secret of mana things like that this kind of feels like that like a big fantasy with small characters like exploring this kind of monster filled world with really high stakes like well i say it's kind of kiddish at the same time it's very violent and like dark like it's maybe the darkest anime i've ever seen at the same time uh so like there's some kind of traumatic stuff with that just because like there's this giant hole in the middle of this person's town that people go in and explore but the problem is once you go so deep if you go back up too fast like your eyes bleed and you die really painfully so it's just this treacherous pit full of monsters that a little girl and a robot she finds go in to explore now the reason i say there's stipulations is like since the characters are pretty young there's some weird anime tropes to it i wouldn't say it's quite lolly but like the kids do kind of like explore themselves or act act ask questions or like address things they don't really show anything that questionable which is why i can still recommend it but like it's weird when you hear a little kid talk about anatomy i don't like it so like there's a big asterisk by my recommendation for this but like it's good enough that I see it as worth seeing past the stuff that I see is so questionable. I'm not going to, I watched a clip of that, like a trailer and I was grossed out. I'm not going to bring it on the podcast, but it was a super gross clip. But, uh, uh, my last recommendation for the manga that I really enjoyed this, uh, year that came out this year was, uh, Shokuno no Valkyrie. Uh, just imagine, uh, every God from any mythology all exists in one space. And they just say, let's kill all the humans. Let's huh. wipe him out. And and then uh some Valkyries come and be like, let's give them a chance to fight. So it's basically just a manga about a tournament arc between gods and humans. Like famous humans. So we have like uh 
my favorite my favorite fight so far in the manga we have zeus uh the greek god versus adam adam and eve (laughs) and it's just adam and he's basically just the first like the the father of everyone basically with like knuckle brass knuckles fighting bruce fighting zeus that's wonderful. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that answered my question of, like, if biblical figures are in it. But So, like, is the Judeo-Christian God at play here? Like, is he, he also is, on board he, killing people? I think he's, like, the God above, like, Zeus. So Zeus is, like, the most second, like, the second most powerful God. We don't see Christ. You don't see Jesus. But we at least get to see, like, Adam, which I kind of like as someone who only, like, mostly know about Christian, Christian, like, religion, that we actually get to see, like, a Christian figure, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta be honest. I will have to check that out, especially if it comes into anime form. That's that's awesome from that premise. I will definitely need to give that a read. That was the most like I wouldn't say this book, this manga is like the best source of information about any of these gods. I think the author is basically just using these characters as just uh, supposed to fight each other with. It looks cool, but it's like really cool. One of the fighters there also is like a Jack the Ripper. As an arc as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I'll be curious to see who all they use for the humans and that. That's those are good picks. But uh, yeah. speaking of uh, mythology, though, I, I think I'd like us to wrap things up as we look into the video games of the year. Now, I relate this to mythology because I think you and I might both have the same favorite game of 2020. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I got. Yeah, I gotta say, Hades is by far my game of the year, like, far and above everything else. Like, this indie game is just so up my alley. Uh, it, the It's not as expansive as something like Cyberpunk or Last of Us, but, like, the things it does, every mechanic in the game is done super well. So, yeah, it's not making a huge free-to-explore world with a bunch of side quests, but, like, the game does 12 things and does those 12 things super well. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of like roguelikes or whatever, but I love Hades. I can play that for hours. Yeah, I, I am a huge fan of roguelikes. Like, a lot of my favorite games the last uh, year or two have all been roguelites or various other things. But, like, yeah, I've heard a lot of people who say, like, they hate roguelikes, but they love Hades. So, even if that would turn you off otherwise, give it a shot. Like, I think this is the most worthwhile game. You'll get a ton of longevity at it. It's fun to begin with. As you play it, you discover a bunch more mechanics, different ways to like level up and advance, new ways to play. Every single run you have is going to feel different. Like It's such a fun experience. The depictions of the Greek gods in it are super fun. The humor's great. The world's interesting. And it's super lighthearted for a game that takes place in the Greek version of hell. Like I cannot sing this game's praises enough. Yeah. Um... I just I think it's the game of the year, but I I have to put a little asterisk to that because I haven't played a lot of like the best games or a lot of games in general games that came out in twenty twenty this year. Uh, I haven't even played like the 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 most best selling game of the year, uh, being Animal uh, Crossing. Yeah, well, my wife played Animal Crossing and she loves it. I've heard a lot of people love it. I I feel bad that I technically own it but haven't got around to trying it. But like, it, yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's the biggest game for like non traditional gamers. I think it's my like, like a lot of people in my family play in it that doesn't that only like play like mobile games or like 
maybe just like occasional like Mario, you know? Yeah, I mean, me being the more traditional gamer, I was a lot more excited about Doom Eternal, which I did not think disappointed. I, I got a really fun experience out of that. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I think Doom is really Doom's new franchise has been great just because it doesn't feel like every other first-person shooter out there. Uh, and it kind of scratches the same itch that like the old Halo campaigns used to give me. And I wish its multiplayer was more like that just because uh, I think it's such a fun style of shooter. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about uh, Last of Us 2? You play it. I haven't played it yet, though. Yeah, so the first Last of Us is probably one of like my five favorite video games of all time. Like I really loved the first Last of Us. It made me buy a PS3 again after my first one got the yellow light of death. That being said, I played the first couple hours of Last of Us 2 and like it just didn't really hold my interest. I think part of that is because the world is a lot more open. Uh, Like every area you go to has a lot more to explore. And like, I don't really want to explore these worlds for that much time. I want to advance this story, but you're definitely incentivized to explore. There's a lot of cool like environmental storytelling to find or like lore drops and stuff. So I think just the basic gameplay loop is pretty much the same. Uh, they just didn't do a lot to make the base game that much more fun. So yeah, like I think that's kind of a bad sign that you're a sequel to my fa- one of my favorite games and you can't hold my interest to beat a probably like 20 to 30 hour game, if not less. Yeah, you also play like, you play, I feel like 2020 had like the most disappointing games this year because you played uh, Last of Us 2, which a lot of people said was disappointing. And then you played uh, you played Last of Us as well. I mean, you played Cyberpunk as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of my friends love Cyberpunk. Like, okay, the console release is god awful and terrible and frankly unacceptable, but I kind of get how it happened. Uh, there's a lot of good to cyberpunk when it comes to its quests its storytelling its world building etc but like i have a couple main gripes with it for one thing i think the gameplay of it itself is not that fun i don't think shooting people feels that good in that game i think the shooting mechanics aren't great the driving is kind of terrible now i know no game is going to be better than grand theft auto when it comes to driving at this point but no like if you're playing on mouse and keyboard, the driving's impossible. Even on a gamepad, it doesn't feel that much better. Uh, so, like, it, to have a big open world that's not even, like, fun to move around in is a huge fatal flaw for any open world game. And I think the nail in the coffin for me is, like, I don't really care about, like, the Blade Runner, like, tech noir, cyberpunk-style world. Uh, this is a good one, definitely, and Blade Runner is a great movie, but, like... It just doesn't hold my interest near as much as like the worlds of Fallout or Skyrim did. Yeah, I I I do enjoy watching all this content that recently appeared on YouTube because everyone's trying to milk like the cyberpunk thing. Uh, apparently, I, my favorite video so far was like the people saying like San Andreas, one of like the the first GTA games, has more content than cyberpunk. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of my friends keep messaging me about, like, the awesome side quests and stuff they're finding in the game, the cool stuff there. So, like, I am slogging through it, or I keep trying to dedicate myself to it. I just restarted the game with a character I like a little more to see if that helps. Uh, But, like, I will say I am just kind of the problem, I think. Like, I think I'm just burned out on big open world games, even when they're RPGs, because, like, 
this is definitely a game that's better than Fallout 4, but I sunk a lot more time into Fallout 4, like just back when that came out 40 years ago. Like, I think I'm just kind of done with this. I've really been more into indie games this last couple of years. Like, I met this awesome friend of mine this year who like is super into game development and stuff. And she introduced me to some of my new favorite games and they're all indie titles. Like I learned about Hades through her, uh, risk of rain Two, res infinite, uh, just weird indie darlings, uh, sayonara wild hearts, things I had never heard of. And I loved all of them. Yeah. Cyberpunk last of us Two, like huge triple a things I should have liked. Didn't really do it for me. I do have to say, I finally got around to it before you finished the start of the podcast a couple days ago, but I, I do enjoy Miles Morales Spider-Man. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, uh, it hasn't been selling well, but don't let like the the super far right people say it's because Miles Morales is black, uh, Latina, Latino. Um, uh, the game's not selling well because mostly because like no one has a PS5, and people are waiting for like the PS5 release of the game. Uh, because they didn't, even, they didn't even advertise it for like the PS4 for real. I didn't even know it was coming for PS4 until uh, I got the game. One of my best friends just got back from the military and said, "Like oh, I'm so bummed I got an Xbox instead of a PS5 just because I want Miles Morales. I'm like, dude, you have a PS4. Like, whoa, 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 it's on there? So, like, yeah, no idea. And like, this was a game he was super looking forward to. And that's uh, like and the console, that's the PS5 like console seller right there, Miles Morales. It's just that people don't have PS5s. Yeah, uh, my thing personally, like I love the uh, the PS, the first Spider-Man game. It's one of the last open world games I really enjoy. But like, I know Miles Morales is a much shorter experience and it's still 50 bucks. And like, they told us up front that it's not like a full game, but like, to only knock off 10 bucks if it was 40 that might be a different story that might be an easier pill to swallow but yeah it's hard for me to sink 50 bucks into a game that i'm gonna be i have to like say i feel like 12 hours that was, i feel like that's kind of bad marketing on their part them trying to say how short the game was because the game is not even that short for real if you look on like online to say like the game is around like a solid 10 hours complete which is like it's lower than the 32 hours from like the first game but like I, I, I kind of think like a 10 hour game is like a, a reasonable pace because I have to say like some bits of like this, the 32 hours like the first Spider-Man game kind of like dragged on. I mean, it's like it's longer than like the the, the second, like the third best Spider-Man game being Spider-Man 2. That was only like four hours long. But with that said, I think that brings our episode to a close here. Uh, we'd like to thank you once again for giving the podcast a chance and want to give a special shout out to Lady Grayson for designing our logo. You can find her on Twitter as at Lady G underscore Nightwing. If you have a question of the week you'd like to hear featured on the show, you can send it to us on social media. We're on Facebook as Comically Confused and on Twitter at New 52 Podcast. And finally, if you leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice, you'd really be helping us out with the algorithms. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode and will join us again next week where we're going to be covering Supergirl. Until then, we'll still be here, Comically Confused. <laughs>